podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all around the world. We're your hosts. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Zoe. And today, Lizzie, who are we talking about? So today we're talking about Oiwa, who was a really fascinating female ghost from Japanese folklore. Interesting. Okay. So have you ever heard of her? No, I have not heard of her at all. I think you're really gonna like her. Okay. So there's elements today in our story of like horror, revenge, and like a real life figure whose story has become folklore. Uh-huh. I thought you really like all those things. Yes, so I do. So I'm to tell you this story. Mm-hmm. So her story appears in the 1825 Kabuki play Yotsuya Kaidan, which translates to a ghost story of Yotsuya. And it was written by Tsuruya Nanboku IV. Cool. So the story is considered to be the most famous Japanese ghost story of all time and has over 30 film adaptations. Wow. Mm-hmm. So before we begin the story, a bit of background. Okay. So the character Oiwa is a yokai. Yokai is a class of creature from Japanese folklore that may be a monster or a spirit or a ghost or a shape-shifting animal. They take many different forms and are associated with small villages, old cities, and deserted mountain passes. But they also appear very frequently in popular culture, such as movies, anime, manga, and video games. Cool. Okay. In the book of yokai, it says that yokai are beings that we use to justify anything we can't explain. It states that yokai begin where language ends. So yokai is, in a way, just a term to describe any sort of supernatural occurrence or being. The term yokai is pretty complex, but just know that it's a class of supernatural beings or spirits and that Our Lady this week is a yokai. Okay. So the story of the Yotsuya Kaidan was first staged in 1825, and since then it's undergone many alterations. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find the text of the full play translated into English, so I've had to make do with summaries I found online. But the summary I'm drawing from is from the original 1825 production. Cool. Not one of the later versions. Mm-hmm. Also, I should mention that there's a trigger warning this week for sexual assault, suicide, and disfigurement, and just a general warning that some aspects of this story are pretty horrifying. So, Alrighty. proceed with caution. Mm-hmm. So, to begin our story. Our story begins in the Yotsuya area of Tokyo. There was a masterless ronin samurai called Iemon, and he was married to a beautiful woman named Oiwa. But his father-in-law, Samon, disapproved and wanted them to separate. Mm. There's also another character called Nasuke, who was obsessed with Oiwa's sister, Osode, who was already married to another man called Sato Yamoshichi. So Iemon kills Samon in a fit of rage during a violent argument. And at the same time, Nausuke murders his former master, Okuda Shosaburo, mistaking him for Osode's husband, Yamoshichi. So Nausuke believes he has killed Yamoshichi. Mm-hmm. So Iemon and Nausuke then conspire together and deceive Oiwa and Osode into believing that they will avenge the deaths of Samon and Yamoshichi. So Iemon reunites with Oiwa and Nausuke enters into a common-law marriage with Osude as part of the price of their agreement to the vendetta. Okay. So all of that was in Act 1. Okay. In Act, <laughs> in act 2, we open with Iemon, who is miserable in his marriage to Oiwa. 
Also, there's a woman called Ome who is in love with Iemon and wants to marry him, but she feels inferior to Oiwa because she isn't as beautiful as her. So okay. Ome's family decide to disfigure Oiwa by sending her a poison disguised as a facial cream. Oh. Yeah, so when Oiwa applies the cream, she becomes scarred, and Iemon is horrified by his wife's new face. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this next part is, like, pretty horrifying, so just be warned. Mm-hmm. Um, so Iemon tells his servant, Takuetsu, to basically to assault Oiwa so that he'll be able to divorce her. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but Takuetsu can't bring himself to do this. So instead, he just shows Oiwa her own face in a mirror. Mm. Oiwa then realizes what has happened to her and that she has been deceived and she is horrified. She becomes hysterical and picks up a sword and runs towards the door. Takuetsu moves to stop her from leaving and Oiwa tries to evade him, but accidentally cuts her throat with the sword. Okay. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that would have happened, but... I'm sure it makes sense within the play. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure if I saw it staged, it would make a lot more sense. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But um, anyway, so Oiwa dies cursing her husband. Fair. Yes. So then after her death, Iemon becomes engaged to Oume. Mm. Iemon also decides to murder another servant called Kohei Mm -hmm. for stealing medicine and frames his and Oiwa's dead bodies in such a way that it will look like they were having an affair. Oh. Yeah, so basically, like, to justify his yeah. very quick remarriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to, like, dishonor yep. Oiwa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as Act 2 closes, Oiwa's ghost tricks Iemon into killing Oume and her grandfather on the night of the wedding. Oh, and is that the end? It is not. There's three more Okay, acts. I was wondering if it was, this, is a, this is more than a two-act sort of thing. Yeah, and the thing, the funny thing is, it the night that it premiered, it was like a double feature with another very long play. Wow. So I feel like maybe people were like there like all night. Yeah. Or like all day. Probably. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm just thinking yeah. about like how long a lot of operas are and, you know, it's probably a similar sort of thing. Yeah, I hope they had like intermissions, but I don't <laughs> know. So act three. The remaining members of Oome's family are killed. This is still under the influence of Oiwa and Kohei's ghosts. Okay. So Iemon kicks Oome's mother into a canal and her servant drowns by mm. accident. Hmm. Also, Naosuke arrives in disguise and blackmails Iemon into handing over a valuable document. I don't know what the document is, honestly. doesn't say, but anyway. Okay. While Iemon is fishing in the canal, he spots the corpses of Oiwa and Kohei drifting along and then there's a scene where they briefly come back to life and reproach him. Oh, that's fun. Very. Mm-hmm. So in Act 4, uh-huh. Nasuke pressures Osude into consummating their marriage. And after a love scene, Yamoshichi appears and berates Osude for adultery. Right, because he wasn't actually so, dead, right? No, he was never dead. Okay, yes. Uh, they, just, they just believed him to be dead. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but Osude thought that he was dead, so... Yes. She didn't know, yeah, but yeah. she she then resigns herself to, to death mm. and tricks Naosuke and Yamoshiji into killing her. Mm. And uh, she leaves a farewell note in which she reveals to Naosuke that they were actually siblings. What? Right? I did not see that coming. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so 
Nasuke also learns that he killed his former master instead of Yamoshichi, so Nasuke then kills himself mm-hmm. out of shame and guilt. Yeah, that makes and sense. And I know you're thinking of something in particular. Oedipus. Oh, I actually wasn't thinking about that. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because it's so similar, because it's like... Oh, yeah. Oh, he learns that he married his sister and killed his master, so yeah. he kills himself. That makes a lot Super of sense. Super similar. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's just a coincidence, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, I was just thinking about, like, you know, uh, my understanding of samurai culture and how, like, mm-hmm. if you fail to protect your master, then you have to kill yourself. Yeah, was, so, like, this is probably, yeah, like, the greatest dishonor. the greatest shame he could have ever committed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, next act, the final act, act five, um, Yemon is taking refuge at Snake Mountain Hermitage from Oiwa's ghost. Mm-hmm. So, Iemon encounters a young and beautiful maiden in a summer pavilion during a hunting trip and falls in love with her, hmm. failing to realize that she is actually Oiwa. Uh-huh. So, at this time, Iemon also had a companion called Chobe, who he then dismisses for this new woman. But Chobe returns and sees a hideous face, the face of Oiwa. So, she flees, and it says that the ghost of Oiwa grabs Iemon and drags him down to hell. But he doesn't die, so I don't quite know what that means. But it's a very nice description. Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. Yeah. So after this, Yemon is basically on the verge of madness and has been given sanctuary at the Hermitage. Then it says that the master of the sanctuary's followers pray for Yemon with a spectacular lack of success. <laughs> which I found like a really funny phrase. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Oiwa kills Chobe. Then both of Iemon's parents. And Iemon then flees the hermitage in despair during a snowstorm and mm. then runs right into Yamoshiji, who kills him. Mm. Both out of vengeance for his enemy and also out of compassion. Okay. And that's where the play ends. Gotcha. Wow. So before we continue, what are your overall thoughts? Um, wow. That's a very yeah. entertaining <laughs> show. Um yeah i think it's i think it's sad that you know we don't see more of oyo at the end um i wish i knew more about what happened to her and also more of what happened to osode after yeah oh i guess she died right yeah she died it's really sad okay so i guess we do know what happened to her but well um there's twists and turns. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, I think that... Um, so the facial stuff reminds me a lot of uh, modern urban legend. I don't know if you're going to talk about that, so I don't want to steal your thunder. No, actually. What were you thinking? Um, so there's like a modern Japanese urban legend. This woman who's like wearing a face mask, and which is uh, before wearing a face mask was like a thing everyone did or should do, um, <laughs> but still relatively common in Japan to my understanding. And she's like wearing a face mask and she asks people if they think she's beautiful and they'll say like yes oh, or no. Yes. And then she right, takes right, it off right. and reveals that her mouth has been slit from ear to ear. And then she's like, how about now? And then regardless of if you say yes or no, she'll, like, kill you. Mm. And so that, like, the disfigurement of her face made me think of that a lot. Do you remember what her name was? Because that sounds kind of familiar. No, I could try and look it up real quick. Um, But I think it's, like, I don't think she has a name. I think it's, like, you know, this faced uh, woman or something like that. Yeah, a lot like of that. urban legends are, like, nameless. Yeah, Um, but that's really reminded me of that. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if there was, like, a direct link that you'd found or if not. But still. 
mm-hmm. and no. Yeah. But we will go more into depth about her story, though. Mm-hmm. Also, the disfigurement reminded me of the goddess you talked about, who was the wife of Maui, and how he switched their faces. Mm. Rohe. Rohe, yeah. And so that she was ugly and he was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that made me think of it because she was so beautiful, and then they made her ugly in order to take away like her power or whatever. Her goodness. Her, goodness. her virtue. Yeah. For sure. And I will talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, we've yeah. talked about that before on this podcast about mm-hmm. like very similar themes. Yeah. So. And then she becomes super vengeful and like Rohe was super vengeful as well, if I recall correctly. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she like trapped the spirits of men or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So those are my main thoughts. Connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I only found a little bit of etymology, unfortunately. So Iowa's name consists of the hiragana for O and then the kanji Iwa, which kanji is an ideographic writing system borrowed from Chinese characters, and Iwa means rock or boulder. Uh-huh. That's all I can really tell about the etymology of her name, but as far as I can tell, Oiwa was based off of a real woman, also named Oiwa, which was just a girl's name at the time. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the real Oiwa died on February 22nd, 1636. Okay. And her resting place is a temple in Sugamo a neighborhood of Tokyo. They say that if you visit her grave only out of curiosity, your right eye will become swollen just like hers was. Hmm. Like she's, she has not rested in peace, you know? And she really like demands respect, which I feel like is very fair. Yeah, absolutely. Like they don't, she doesn't want to be a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so to be more specific, the real Oiwa's story was supposedly gathered in a collection of stories from Yotsuya. The author of these stories in the year they were published is unknown, but it was somewhere between 1716 and 1736. Mm-hmm. And according to this collection, there was once a woman named Oiwa, and she was the only daughter of a low-rank samurai. Mm-hmm. But she was extremely wicked and unpleasant, as well as ugly, uh-huh. which was a result of her contracting smallpox at 21. Okay, that makes sense. And so after her father died, she married Iemon who was a good man, but never grew to love his wife because of her bad personality and ugly looks, mm-hmm. and eventually he fell in love with another woman named Ohana. So Iemon and Ohana's father, Ito Kihei, tricked Oiwa into divorcing her husband so he could marry Ohana. When she finds out that she's been tricked, she runs off into the streets of Yotsuya in a furious rage and disappears without a trace. So no one knew if she was dead or alive until she returned many years later as a vengeful spirit that caused the deaths of 18 people, including Eamon's children. Okay. So that was the supposed real story that okay. it was based off of. Mm-hmm. So we can see the differences between this and the story from the Yotsuya Kaidan. The biggest difference is that Oiwa in the original urban legend was meant to be quite cruel and ugly, whereas mm-hmm. the Oiwa of the Yotsuya Kaidan was meant to be kinder and originally quite beautiful. Yeah. So this is like a way to transform her into a much more sympathetic character and a heroine of the story, but mm-hmm. it also turns it into more of a revenge play, since now we're sympathizing more with Oiwa and less with Iemon. Yeah, definitely. So, Oiwa is an onryo, or a vengeful spirit. Mm-hmm. So a ghost that's believed to be able to cause harm in the world of the living, often out of vengeance. Awesome. Her strong desire for revenge also allows her to bridge the gap back to Earth. So she can cause real harm and has. Okay. That's very interesting. Very. Mm -hmm. So several productions of Yotsuya Kaidan, including plays and also movie productions, have undergone mysterious accidents, injuries, and deaths. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's fun. 
I mean, not fun. So, but it's I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so now it's tradition for the main characters and the director to visit Oiwa's grave and pay tribute to her and ask her to bless their production. Okay. This is especially important for the actor playing Oiwa. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense, considering what you said earlier about how she doesn't want to be a tourist attraction. Yeah, like, it's good to be respectful and pay her tribute. Yeah. So, like, she doesn't want to be sensationalized into, like, a blockbuster or whatever. Yeah. You know. I think it's quite fair that she wants them to pay tribute to her. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so going back a little bit to the play, um, Oiwa and her sister Osude had been working as sex workers prior to the death of their father, Samon. Basically, Simone's master had passed, and so the family was destitute. Mm -hmm. But Oiwa had mixed feelings about her work because she thought that no matter how poor they were, the daughter of a samurai shouldn't debase herself like that. Mm. Like, she thought that it was unfilial of her and that it was dishonoring her father, Mm. even though it was, like, in a way necessary because of their situation. Yeah. So this is important to understand because after Simone's death, Oiwa's main thing is that she has to avenge her father. She was ready to commit suicide and follow Simone into the grave, but Iyemon talks her out of it because, as he says, suicide is a selfish act and Oiwa's duty is actually to avenge him instead. Hmm. Okay. Now that's really interesting. Yes. This was in 1825, let's remember. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but, like, I mean, suicide is, like, considered honorable, not selfish. Well, I guess it depends on the context, yeah. I don't I'm not, I'm not an expert, obviously. This was in feudal Japan. Yeah, like, my understanding is that, like, suicide was considered, like, an honorable way to die yeah. if you failed in your duties. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, like, for Iamon to say, like, this is selfish is, like, very interesting and odd. Yeah, I do feel like... Like, because she was the oldest child, so it was okay. sort of her her duty to to seek revenge. Okay, so he said to seek revenge instead for her father instead. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, she was a woman, so she couldn't do it herself, so it had to so, be sort of yeah, okay. Iamon's gotcha, duty. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes more sense. So I feel like there's two ways to look at that. Like, on the one hand, Oiwa's life is controlled by the men around her, mm-hmm. both explicitly and implicitly. Kind of makes sense for the time. But anyway, at the same time, it's like Simone died as a sacrifice that was pivotal in transforming Oiwa into the figure that she becomes, mm-hmm. which in a way sort of sub- subverts the really common trope in mythology and folklore where it's like women have to die to further men's stories mm-hmm. because Simone died to further Oiwa's story. Yeah. But then again, her main drive in life is again to honor her father and husband and her story is pretty tragic, which is once again due to her proximity to the men in her life. Mm-hmm. So two ways to look at it. Yeah. But anyway. Also, we've, we kind of mentioned this before, but there's also this theme of a beautiful woman who becomes ugly yep. and is transformed into a horrifying monster because of it. Yeah. Like, she, before she's poisoned by the face cream, she's a good wife and mother and a good daughter who's entrusted her father's revenge to her husband as she wasn't allowed to avenge him herself since she was a woman. Mm-hmm. She's a loyal wife and daughter, and she's also done, done her wifely duties of bearing a son to Iemon who honestly doesn't treat either her or the son particularly well. Mm-hmm. And she's punished due to the jealousy and greed of Iemon and Oume. And then she's transformed into vengeful spirit. We know her as now. Mm-hmm. 
which there's this theme of beautiful woman is pure and virtuous and ugly woman is evil and terrifying, which is a theme we see a lot in mythology and folklore. Mm -hmm. Like her transformation isn't even from good to bad. It's from good to ugly to bad. Mm -hmm. Like the catalyst of her becoming a vengeful spirit was her losing her looks. Yeah. Um, I think that it's like, you could almost say there's like commentary in the story though, because what happens is she loses her looks. So he loses interest in her as his wife and as someone he respects and that mm-hmm. sort of becomes the catalyst for her becoming evil or cruel. Yeah, for sure. So, like, I mean, you could possibly argue or at least make, like, a, an interpretation that, like, it's really because of him that he becomes evil um, and because of how he treats her based on her looks that makes her evil. So it's more, like, meta than just, like, oh, she's ugly, so now she's evil. But then, of course, yeah. like, the the symbolism and the imagery is there. So it's, like, I don't know how intentional that was. Um, exactly but like I think you could definitely like make that argument or like have a more um, like feminist I guess interpretation of the story in that way yeah definitely I do feel like um, in this version of Oiwa's story there is sort of more sympathy towards Oiwa than there is towards Iemon Mm -hmm. that's my read which I'll go into a little bit more later but Mm -hmm. but I do think that Iemon is more the villain here yeah but uh anyway There is also this theme I find really interesting, which is, like, knowledge being the thing that destroys you. Yeah. She she only finds out what happened to her when Takuetsu decides to pity her and hands her a mirror so she can learn about how she was deceived. Mm -hmm. And then later on, there is a scene where Nausuke learns that he married his sister and killed his master, Mm -hmm. so he kills himself. Mm -hmm. Like, before they had that knowledge, they were pretty content then when they find out the truth, it's a huge catalyst for the shame, guilt, and dishonor that leads to their deaths. Uh-huh. So knowledge is the direct link to their downfall. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of idea that ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then that's also interesting thinking about it compared to, like, the, you know, the physical appearance question. Um, and how, like, when her husband starts mistreating her, she might not, like, really understand what's happening because she doesn't know that this is how she looks now yeah she doesn't know until she's like forcibly shown like pushed into a mirror you know yeah and so like until she's like physically shown what's happening like she doesn't even know how she looks and that's like when she starts to be reacting to how she's being treated in a way possibly if you think yeah. that makes sense yeah and like there's also this self-actualization moment for oiwa there's this scene where she's handed the mirror and mm-hmm. sees her face, and at first she's confused. She says, that horrifying face startled me. Who is behind me? Oh. And after she realizes that it's her own face, she says, my face is the same color as my clothes. Is this me? Is this really my face? Which she would have been wearing white, I assume, for mourning. Uh-huh. Anyway, so then... She has these moments of intense, passionate grief where she tries to blacken her teeth and she combs her hair only for it to fall out in large, bloody clumps. Uh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the And then before her death, this is the moment, in my opinion, where she becomes a yokai, like where she becomes a horrifying being. Mm-hmm. There's also this really interesting thing I was reading about. So in most stories about Oreo, their motive has to do with jealousy and often unrequited love. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't apply to Oiwa. Jealousy didn't shape her identity as a vengeful spirit, and it wasn't her main motive. Up until the Meiji period of Japan, which was from 1868 to 1912, 
Jealousy was conceived as exclusively a female malady latent in every woman's blood, capable of consuming even the most faithful wife or lover without even being aware of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a Neo-Confucian scholar called Kaibara Eken stated that jealousy was one of the five female shortcomings that justify women's inferiority to men, mm. and one of the seven reasons why a man could divorce his wife. Gotcha. Yeah. To give mm-hmm. you a bit of a context on the period yeah. this takes place in. And this is pretty important to understand in the context of her characterization and her motives. Because, mm-hmm. like, more accurately, she isn't jealous. She doesn't love Iemon, so she isn't upset that he wants to marry someone else. She's upset because of how badly she's been deceived and betrayed. Mm-hmm. But her being a woman, the de facto interpretation is that she was jealous. Okay. Yeah. Like, she was... By, like, Japanese scholars called, like, oh, like, a jealous spirit, you know? Mm -hmm. But the way I read it, she's much more in grief than she is anything else. Definitely. Yeah, I'd say she's a lot more, like, upset at being betrayed than, like, angry about, like, her husband loving someone besides her. Exactly. And, um, when I put Onryo into Google Translate to get a pronunciation, one translation it gave me was grief, Mm. which... There's a chance that that's quite inaccurate because it's Google Translate, mm-hmm. but still I found that interesting. Yeah. Onryo, the ones who are jealous, and the ones who aren't, they're grieving women. Like, they're grieving their old lives, and they're grieving, at least in my mind, the lives they dreamed for themselves, and the place that they grew up in society. Yeah. They're betrayed. Yeah. I do think that, from what I can gather, not having been able to read the play myself, but seeing quotes from it, that Oiwa was actually treated quite sympathetically. She has a moment where she says to herself, A moment ago, I joined my hands in gratitude for the poison delivered from the wet nurse. Now each time I think of it, how shameful it is. They must laugh and laugh at me. Mm. Bitter, oh how bitter is this humiliation. Yeah. So here she isn't even grieving the inevitable loss of her husband. She doesn't even think about him. She can't cope with the humiliation she was suffering, having mm-hmm. been betrayed by those she trusted. Yeah. So her principal emotion here is shame, mm-hmm. which shame was deeply tied to the idea of honor that was the core of samurai identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we already saw before how important it was to Oiwa to maintain her honor as a daughter of a samurai, and now she's lost all her honor, and all that's left is deep shame. Yeah. So after this transformation, Oiwa isn't just a vengeful spirit seeking revenge and justice. She's also a woman who wants to restore her damaged honor. Okay. And this is her motivation for the rest of the play, where she appears as a ghost. Mm-hmm. And Nanboku, the author of Yotsuya Kaidan, really subverts stereotypes here. The female ghost is motivated by honor rather than by jealousy. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting to think about, and it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, all in all, I find Oiwa such a fascinating character on the surface, and if you see pictures and iconography of her, I mean, she's horrifying. <laughs> But when you really analyze her story and you can you can see her as really sympathetic and honorable, mm-hmm. like she's a woman in grief who's been horribly betrayed, who in her death wants to be respected and honored. And that's really understandable. Yeah. And to be honest, I think her revenge plot is really fair and deserved. Like, Iemon did such horrible things and deceived her. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he's the main character, I think he's the true villain of the story because he acted so horribly. Mm-hmm. So I think Oiwa was pretty justified, and her story is much more tragic than it is anything else, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Definitely. Yeah. I I just really love the idea of her becoming a ghost and going throughout revenge as a way to restore her honor, because that like makes a lot of sense, and that's something that we see 
for so many different like stories with like male characters you know like i mean it's very common in viking sagas uh to have someone like you know return like pay blood for blood basically um in order to restore family honor and so to interpret her story as that i think is really cool i agree and it's interesting to see like a female character be like that and i also you know like i wonder like have do you know anything about like modern interpretations of the story at all like i know that she's in a lot of movies mm-hmm. and that's yeah. the main thing that i know honestly like she's even now still quite well known and popular as a ghost story mm-hmm. but i don't know really the details yeah i'm just like wondering if there's been like an effort to sort of like reclaim or recapture her story by like any um feminist movements yeah in i don't Japan. know not to, not to my knowledge but i didn't see anything about that so yeah but um mm-hmm. yeah and like something else i found interesting was that like like, I was talking about how she wants to, like, reclaim her honor. She wants to, like, avenge her, her like, lost honor. And then there's this sort of whole thing about, like, in death, like, as an urban legend, she wants to be respected and honored, like, mm-hmm. by people, like, playing her in the shows and mm-hmm. movies. And, like, she wants people not to visit her grave and, like, as a spectacle. Yeah. Like, there's this whole thing about her, even after death, like, trying to restore her honor. In yeah, that's so true. I'm thinking about Osode um, and her experience and how she sort of basically goes through, like, losing all honor and her humiliation and has to die because of mm-hmm. uh, her experience of, you know, unknowingly committing adultery for her, on her husband. And I just sort of think that, like, it would sort of be interesting to see, like, her having a similar story is Oyoa and like getting to sort of work to reclaim her own honor especially because she was also betrayed and she was like you know she didn't know what she was doing she didn't know that her husband was still alive and she had known her husband was still alive she wouldn't have done you know she wouldn't have remarried again so it's also like the whole thing about like her knowing that she married her brother yeah and her being like really reluctant to consummate their marriage Uh you know yeah. Like, I like, cause like, she must have been horrified at yeah. having, to, having to do that, but she kind of had to because, like, he had vowed to, like, avenge. Yeah. Her husband. Yamoshiji. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of, I mean, she's also really interesting. Not a lot mm-hmm. of focus is paid to her, but her story is definitely also, yeah. you can definitely analyze it a lot as well. Like, this yeah. woman who had, like, this horrifying knowledge of, like, mm-hmm. you know, she married her brother mm-hmm. and. Who, like, I mean, there's also something really compelling about her being like, oh, no, I have to die now. Mm-hmm. And being like, I'm going to trick them into killing me because it's what I deserve. Yeah. And so, like, in a way, she has power over what's happening. And she sort of takes the power over her fate away from the men in her life by tricking them into killing her. Yeah. Like, even though it's not the end that I would want for her. No, it's pretty, like, horrifying that she's like, oh, no, I have to die now. Even though she didn't do anything intentionally wrong. Yeah, I'd like to see some justice for her. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, I mean, it's just like looking at her compared to Oya. They were both deceived, whether intentionally or not. Because it seems like um, Iamon and Naosuke also didn't realize that Yomoshichi was, like, also still alive. Like, they didn't know that. Yeah, no. But um, they still, like, she was confused. She didn't, like, realize what was happening. And... So her being like, I have to die now is very sad and tragic to me. 
Yeah, it definitely is. There's also something I find quite interesting with like Iemon, like at the very end of his life, like he is so desperate. He's like running away from the ghost of Oiwa and like mm-hmm. all the horrible things happening because of her ghost. And then he's in the end killed out of pity. Yeah. Like that's not even, that's not an honorable death, I feel like. That's he's very like, true. oh, you're like pathetic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just like end your suffering. Yeah, and that actually, he reminds me of uh, King Creon from Antigone, and that he's basically mm. the cause of all this pain and suffering by choice and by, like, his pride or whatever, and in the end, he's the one who suffers the most, he loses everything, and he's being tormented by guilt or grief or the actual ghost of the woman he murdered or had murdered. Or he caused the death of Or, her. yeah, he caused the death of and was trying to, like, torment. And, like, obviously... And he's still, like, a bad person, but, like, he gets this... He basically is, like, the catharsis point of the tragedy where he's like, why am I suffering so? Or, like, I've lost everything and stuff. And it's a really compelling end. He definitely has to suffer a lot, mm-hmm. which he deserves. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, in the case of Creon, it's like, well, you caused all this to happen, by, like, refusing to step down from your decree. But then in the end, like, his wife's dead, his son's dead. Like, that still sucks, you know? And he really, like, he's the one who started the entire thing that led to his death, honestly. Like, because he killed someone. Yeah. Which led to, like, a million other things happening, which led Mm -hmm. to him being tormented. Yeah. So I think in the end, the fact that he gets killed out of pity, like you said, I think is very interesting. And I think it is especially significant that it's not an honorable death. It's just like, well, there's nowhere else for you to go at this point, so you may as well die. Yeah. I do feel like his life is kind of aimless. Like, when we even start the play, he's a masterless samurai. Mm. I assume because his master has passed away yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. So we... He just, he doesn't really have much of a purpose, I feel like. Yeah, that's a good point. And so he just, like, and he has, like, four different love interests, I feel like. Yeah, and he, like, kind of messes up with all of them. He finds ways to, like, spend his time. Yeah. But then he also is, like, he's very, like, flawed. You know, he gets tricked into, like, falling back into Oyo's clutches because she's like, I'm going to appear as a pretty lady. But plot twist, it's actually me, and I'm going to torment you again because screw you. You know, like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a really compelling arc just right there. Yeah. You get to see it's like super in-depth, but that's, you know, good plan. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Yeah. And it shows that he like doesn't learn, I think, in a way. Yeah. Because he's like, I am being tormented by my wife who I I, like tricked and abused. And so now I'm on the run. But, oh, there's a pretty lady here. So like, I may as well have a good time while I'm at it. And it's like, no, you're stupid. Like, yeah, you need to start like rethinking your life and your choices but you're not doing it and now you're falling into the same trap as before yes i do think his death is very deserved yeah i feel like i said that but like it's true mm-hmm. and yeah it just comes very full circle that it ends with his death mm-hmm. and i don't know what becomes of yimoshichi but i do think it's quite cool that he gets to like kill mm-hmm. iemon i feel yeah. like that's quite fair yeah yeah i think he's sort of like the main here like the ultimate hero of the story in a way yeah, the, the way he gets to kill Eamon. Yeah. And, and he's the only one left standing, which kind of like... And he was wronged rather than wronging anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, he, and you're right. He's the one who's left standing as well. Which kind of puts him as the default like hero of the story. True. <laughs> All right. So that was really interesting. A very cool lady who hopefully doesn't haunt us now. Um, 
Yeah, we. I mean, I wasn't able to go to Tokyo and like ask yeah. for a blessing. So yeah, hopefully she understands. I hope so. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and also leave us a review if you so desire. And we'll see you back here next week with another episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mythaladies podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. Today's episode was researched and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mythaladies and visit us on our website at mythaladies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Caillot. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you next week.